Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome back to the Female Gaze Podcast. I'm Jesse Katz. <laughs> I just said my name really weird. <laughs> I got a lisp on my own. Do you ever say your name and you're like, that doesn't sound like my name at all? It's Do like I looking in the mirror you're like, who am I? Yeah, right. <laughs> they say that if you saw yourself in real life, you wouldn't recognize yourself, right? Well, it's like a thing that people say. Are we not seeing ourselves it. in real life? No. Only no, like if you were cloned or something. Oh, yeah. You could somehow see yourself. You wouldn't recognize what you're looking at. Well, because everyone makes such a weird face in the mirror. Totally. You know, yeah. like, that's yeah. not, if you uh-huh. ever watch someone like take out their phone, they like make the most gorgeous face you've yeah. ever seen. And that's, that's what I they think they look like. like pouty lips, weird. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I went to a stand up set the other night with someone who was talking about how she took she took a picture of her vagina once to like see what was up and she didn't realize that her face was in the background of the picture <laughs> and that was the most horrifying part of looking at that picture was not her vagina which was cool but seeing her like dead eyed face oh in the background not realizing that it was in the picture that was so relatable to <laughs> that's me that's awful it's that's a really relatable. bad that's yeah. also an angle that you just kind of even of your face that you're yeah, just right, like no totally. <laughs> from way down though yeah anyway I'm Jesse Katz Working on it. Joined by friend of the pod, filmmaker and Woo. musician, Dara Golub. Hello. Welcome back. Thank you for having me back. Is this your second time on the it show? It is. Okay. Second time on this podcast. That's right. Yeah. The billionth time together yes. in general. It's nice you. to have you back. Thank you. I feel like everyone's being very chill and not close enough to their mics today. So I'm just okay. going to remind everyone to kiss that microphone. Um, yeah. It's a rainy day. So we're all a little bit like hunched over. Yeah. Trying to protect ourselves. Cozy in here. Yeah. Uh, and then the third voice in the room, we're very excited to have on the podcast today, Gabrielle Korn of Nylon, formerly known as Nylon Magazine, and now just Nylon. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks oh, for yeah. coming in. Thank you for having me. Um, I am a fan of yours for many reasons. You are an excellent tweeter. Oh, I thank you. I thoroughly enjoy your feed. <laughs> it's very relatable to me. And uh, also the content that you oversee is amazing. So we're happy to have you in here and to pick your brain about all sorts of things. Awesome. But before we get to that, is everyone ready for a round of Float Your Boat? I'm going to make you do the sound effect. Oh, yeah. Uh, float Your Boat. Toot, toot. And be in your bonnet. Buzz, buzz, bitch. Boom. <laughs> I really try to channel Alana. If you yeah. can tell, I'm not trying good. to make it my own. That right. was amazing. <laughs> Shout out. No, I loved it. Thank you. Nailed it. Um, okay. So who has a boat they'd like to share? Any? We're just looking at each to, other. I, I'll, okay. I'll pick us off. Okay. I'll get us warmed up here. I'll be your warm up act. Um, okay. I think my boat. So I had a few. I think I'm going to go with a particular scene from this recent show called The Other Two. 
Kafka seen it at yes. all. So it's new on Comedy Central. It follows Broad City. So I think they're hoping it's going to be the next Broad City. It is the way to get people to watch, for yeah, sure. Yeah, they're passing the torch. It's Broad City's last season. So the other two is um, a, a comedy about the two older siblings of a young YouTube singing sensation. So this kid whose stage name is Chase Dreams has suddenly become like the next Justin Bieber. His older siblings who are in their late 20s, I think 30-ish, live in New York, are both aspiring performers in their own right, but totally having no success. So now they're kind of floating around their little brother's orbit. So uh, there was just a scene in the show that blew me the fuck away last week, which was the older brother, he's gay in the show, and he was going on a little date with another guy they went to a pizza shop and they were just having a slice of pizza together and the scene blew my mind because it is very explicit well not explicit it's implicitly about gay male sex in a way that I think probably went over the heads of 99.9% of the people watching but they still fucking did it and I'm like right on like someone in that decision making room was like I don't think anyone's gonna understand what the scene is about but who cares but yeah respect so these guys both have a piece of pizza in front of them slice of pizza and neither of them is touching it and the guy's like are you gonna eat your pizza and he was like well, I didn't know what we're doing later. Like, maybe I shouldn't eat the pizza. And the other guy's like, yeah, that's, I didn't know either. So I wasn't going to eat the pizza. So what they're talking about is which one of them is going to bottom later. And uh, then the one guy goes, well, like, if you don't care, I'd kind of like to eat the pizza. And that's because, <laughs> it, like, just having that food in you is, makes it harder to bottom. So, yeah, so I... <laughs> we don't have to go like, into apologies it. Apologies to the gay male community that I'm having to explain this at all. And I honestly, I only kind of know about the intricacies of this because I heard about it on a podcast recently <laughs> with a gay host who was getting into how challenging it can be to be a bottom, just in terms of you have to be really <laughs> conscious of your diet, what you're putting into your body that day. And then sometimes there's enemas involved and a lot of like, you know, preparing for entry. And it's like a whole thing. And so, anyway, the scene was about eating pizza, but it wasn't about eating pizza. Wow. Yeah. And was I it glossed it. over enough where, like, an, an, a viewer might be like, oh, they just don't want to feel, like, bloated and, like... Probably. Like, I guess kind that's of like how you would interpret hetero it. Like, a hetero kind of relationship might go, like, the woman's like, oh, I don't want to eat the pizza. Yeah. And then at the end, one of them is like, okay, I'll eat the pizza, but only this time. And the guy's <laughs> like, okay, this time. So, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I thought it was great. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It was nice. That actually dovetails nicely into my B. Boat. Boat. Sorry. Buzz. (laughs) Boat. Toot. Toot toot. (laughs) Like, B sounds so happy, you know? I know, I know. No, Um, angry B. Happy um, boat. Happy boat. Um, Which is the show Dating Around on Netflix. I have not seen it I don't know if anyone's seen it. Um. And the reason I like it, there's a lot of reasons I like it, and I'll get to why it, your your be your boat, boat. reminded me. <laughs> um, dating around is, I, I'm very sh- like uh, shamefully a fan of Bachelor Bachelorette. And is it even shameful it's, anymore? It's completely everyone shameful. watches it. But I'm, it's I'm ashamed that I don't watch it because no. I can't have a conversation Shame. about but it. But there's nothing redeeming about it. Sure. This is why it's shameful because. When I watch it, I don't understand why I'm watching it. There's nothing that I get from it that makes me feel like I've watched something that's made me better. Right. And anyway, 
Um, dating around is exactly what I'm missing from The Bachelor and Bachelorette, oh. which is actual conversations between interesting people. So The Bachelor is all about fantasy, meeting people in these crazy situations, going all over the place. They cut out every meaningful Right. Interaction, so that you you get no substance, you get nothing about who these people are, what they're about. Yeah, and it's probably and totally unrelatable. It's unre- It's like it's like plastic. Right. Dating around, they took six um, six different types of people mm-hmm. in New York City, and and edited together five different blind dates. So each thirty minute episode, so easy to watch. Each thirty minutes is five blind dates strung together. Yeah. And um, so it's just like the editing is really beautiful. You get to see how people interact, yeah. how, like what makes people who they are. Do they and match each... online or how are these No, it's like producer. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. But, uh, but each episode, so the first episode starts off, it's just like some straight, normal dude, like Murray Hill type of thing. You're just like, okay, cool. <laughs> uh-huh. Like I was hooked. I was like, okay, this is a little weird. Like everyone was super normal, you know, what you would imagine seeing on like MTV Typical. or something. Yeah. Let's not say normal. Okay, right, right. Um, <laughs> standard for television. Standard. Normative. Yeah. No, right. Okay. There right. we go. Um, and then each episode subsequent to that uh-huh. gets more and more interesting because it's different um, genders and sexualities. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So the second woman, the second date is a Pakistani woman. Then you have a gay man, and then you have someone in his seventies, a widow. Like it's well, just yeah. And then it ends with like this beautiful lesbian. It's like and and all of the it's just very. Um, it's cool to watch people actually get to know each other and like repeating the things that they say. So the gay date, the the gay man, was super interesting because on all of the uh, like, uh, even I think on the lesbian date, there's really not a lot of talk about like sex. Uh huh. And on the gay date, it's like they're Went getting right into in it. it, bottom top, you know how much, <laughs> okay. and just like, do we do this tonight? Like it huh. was very interesting to see. You know, it's not unexpected, but it's it's an interesting yeah. Contrast. That's cool. Yeah. Do you find out if any of them lived happily ever after? No, and I love that because yeah. who gives a shit? Right. It's not about that. Right. You know, it's not about the goal. You're like they're supposed ostensibly they go on a second date. Whatever. Sure. Who cares? Okay. Yeah. But cool. it's just like cool to watch. So dating people. around on Netflix. Yes. Okay. Noted. Um, it's so weird that you brought that up because yesterday I had a meeting with Mila, who was the beautiful lesbian. Uh, gorgeous. <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Fierce. Amazing. Oh, my God. Lesbian. I'm obsessed with her. I know. <laughs> and I got all of the dirt. And it's really interesting to hear what was left out in the editing process. Ooh. And, like, it seems like they kind of made the lesbian episode like very identity focused mm-hmm. whereas like that definitely wasn't all they talked about that would have been way cooler if they hadn't you know like totally. it's cool that it's just cool in itself you yeah. don't need that yeah interesting yeah, yeah but that's like we're not also a good opportunity to talk to people about that who aren't exposed to it i don't know that's interesting because they did clearly talk about whatever they talked about. Right. And so the editing, it's just so, the editing is my favorite part of like the behind the scenes of this stuff. It's just all there. It's all in the edit room. Didn't you totally. edit a dating show? Not really. You I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mock. Right. Mock oh, right. Show. It was yeah, like yeah. a satire. Yeah. Um, wait, so Gabrielle, is she like doing other entertainment things that she would have a meeting with you or? She is looking to yeah. and yeah. Um, doesn't you know, just wanted to talk to someone to yeah. see, like, where she could go right. from where she is. Because, you know, there aren't that many, like, visible lesbians right, working right, right. in, like, the pop culture media space. So, so you've become yeah. one of the godmothers. <laughs> I always meet advice. with them. <laughs> That's yes. awesome. Um, okay, well, I want to ask you a lot more about that, but not yet. 
What's your boat? Okay, so I embarrassingly binge-watched all of Pen15 over the weekend. I still haven't seen it. Oh, my God. Okay. What is it? So it's on Hulu. It's on Hulu. It's about these two seventh-grade girls, but they're played by two 31-year-old women who write the show. And it's really, really funny and really realistic. And it's like the fact that they're played by two adult women – but who are being completely serious is like at first it's hilarious and then it ends up being like really, really poignant because it's like these middle school feelings like don't go away. And like you when you're watching it, it's like they're experiencing these like traumatic 12 year old things that like stay with you. Mm -hmm. And um, and it's just like it's just so funny and um, amazing. And I I was in seventh grade the year that it's about. Oh, wow. <laughs> so all, so it really resonates. All of the references, like, just hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I heard there's a whole episode about AIM, right? Yeah. Yeah. What? Instant AIM, and then there's a whole episode about, like, a pink thong. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have to check it out. Yeah, you yeah. have to. Okay. That was a big uh, part of what Bo Burnham w- talked about. About his uh, motivation for eighth grade, the movie, yeah, which is like these emotions never go away. Like totally. we're all as adults, we're all like living in middle school. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up. I finally watched that movie God, for the first time, like so two much. weeks ago. How so good is that? Movie? I kept meaning to bring it up on the podcast. Yes, brilliant. Because she is so good. I mean, and the so. So when I was in elementary school, I went to a public school that was like very diverse and uh, I I was like, cool. I had a lot of friends. (laughs) Then I went to a private school that was very rich, not diverse at all. I had no friends. And it's like before the school year had even begun, this was sixth grade, I was invited to a girl's birthday party because the entire class was invited. So we went, it was at a roller rink and I bought her a present. And what I bought her would have been really cool at my elementary school because it was like arts focused and anything like art related was cool. I bought her one of those like plastic puzzles that has like it's like a frame with all these little plastic pieces in it. And then you have to like rearrange them to make the picture. I don't know if you would remember these, whatever, basically a puzzle. And it was like of a Van Gogh picture. So we're at the fucking skating rink and it's present time and she's unwrapping all the presents and it's nothing but gift cards, mostly to the record store. And then she gets to mine and I like realize what was about to happen. And I had not established myself at this school. This was going to be the first thing that anyone knew about me is what present did I buy for her? And it landed like a fucking oh rock. God. It was exactly like that scene in the movie. You. That scene is she the just most... looked at it like, what am I supposed to do with this? Oh, and I was like Jesus. looking around to see if anyone else understood why that was like a fun present. <laughs> Dead eyes from oh, everybody. The new girl yeah. giving the artsy cool it was gift. Bad. I'm telling you, it was rough till I went to college. Oh my God. Because it was the same middle school and high school. So it's like I could never start over after that. Mm. that You're just way too cool. That's <laughs> the problem. But that scene is the most heart heart wrenching scene. Yeah. I mean when we've all been there in different forms, but you know, walking into a pool party in a bathing suit that doesn't fit and knowing nobody, oh man. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um also that movie's great. That girl in a really disturbing, sad way reminded me of a girl that I dated a few years ago who was not in eighth grade, was 
like 10 years older than eighth <laughs> grade, um, but carried around so much of those same insecurities. And there were so many things that girl would do. I was like, oh, wow. Now I understand so much better what was going on with her, uh-huh. that she just hadn't moved past some yeah. of these things. Wow. It's how we mask them. Yeah, <laughs> totally. But even down to the whole like, Gucci thing she would do at the end of her oh. videos, I was like, this girl that I dated. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So that was right. all of our boats, right? Okay. B. Uh, okay, my B is going to be really quick this week. Um, I used to watch Game of Thrones. It was fun. When it <laughs> premiered, Obama was president. The world seemed really optimistic and hopeful and like things weren't burning. And it, so it was like fun to escape into a dark place. Now the world is a dark place and I don't have any use for this show anymore. I stopped watching a couple seasons ago because it got way too rapey for me and I was already like, I don't really need this. Now the final season is about to premiere. And I was like, shit, if I don't catch up and watch this with everyone, I'm going to be, it's like the Bachelor thing. I'm going to be left out of conversation every day at work. Like, I should just fucking catch up. So I tried. I can't. I can't. It's not a world I want to dwell in in my brain. Like, Right. And I live alone. I don't have, like, roommates to watch it with, which might make it more fun. Just to watch it by myself feels fucked up and I don't want to I know do what you it, mean so. but it's like the one like monoculture show yes. that we have like everyone mm. is gonna yeah because that doesn't really exist doesn't. anymore no <laughs> but this so. is a, a relic you can from choose, that era yeah so it's gonna be a rough few months when that show comes back you could just Wikipedia yeah. you could just read all that and then just, just <laughs> do it that's true <laughs> I'll just come in every Monday morning like guys <laughs> yeah and then that'll just like be enough to set them off yeah and I'll be like I know <laughs> Okay, good plan. Thanks. Um, what's your what's your beat? Same life where I'm like watching this alone and it bums me the fuck out, but all I do is watch it alone slowly because like I don't have all that much time. And then when I watch Leaving Neverland, mm, yeah. it's just devastating. And uh, I know we knew this, but we didn't know it in this way. And I just feel like I'm so beyond like done with him and mm-hmm. and and everything that he is and like has given us I really have not even begun to like understand how we're gonna like live in a culture like with without without, you know Jackson with without because you know you said your office like still plays it and I'm horrified by that yeah this morning I went into the bathroom in my office and they were blasting MJ and I was like I think maybe they should probably take this out of the mix at this point I feel like if you watch it I don't know if it maybe takes that but if you have you seen it I can't Yeah, yeah it's it's I mean it's like watching a Talk about like watching dark shit. That's why I feel like Game of Thrones right. is like dark, but it's fantasy. Like there's so yes, much yeah. dark reality right now. Totally. That's why I love dating around. It's like light sure. and happy and like it's every just... time you say dating around, I think for a second that you are actually dating around. So Dar got married <laughs> last year. Congrats. So I know I intellectually around. that's not true, but I get excited for a second. Like, it's oh like my dating god, around. she's dating around. That's maybe that's why I like The Bachelor and dating vicarious <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> living. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So anyway, it's yeah. a bummer. It's a fucking it's a have it's you a finished it? No, I'm I finished part one finally. Okay. It's not a good bedtime show. Yeah, Jesus, yeah. I know. It's not a good anytime show. Good when anytime are you going right. to start your Sunday morning with that? Yeah, <laughs> so I feel you with the Game of Thrones. Yeah. Definitely. All right, Gabrielle. Okay. I have been feeling really annoyed by all of the female scammer content recently. And mm. I feel like for every, like, female scammer, there's probably, like, a thousand men doing something so much mm-hmm. worse. Mm-hmm. And, like, the fact that 
like pop culture is so fixated on these young women who have become successful based on lies. It's like we don't need more reason to be suspicious of successful women. Like it just feels so unnecessary and yeah. it it just feels really reductive and I really hate it. Yeah, there is um, an upsetting amount of satisfaction that people are getting from these yeah. stories. Yeah. Wait, so um, I'm forgetting her name. What's the newest one? Elizabeth Holmes. Right. I watched that last night. And I watched it because I was curious what her voice sounded like, Uh because that's what everyone was tweeting about. And like, yeah, it really sounds like this. (laughs) But like, that's besides the point. The Mm -hmm. point is that she's this like young, attractive woman who failed really publicly because she wasn't willing to admit that what she was doing wasn't working. But Mm -hmm. I just kind of feel like imagine being her and like you're the only woman at the table. Mm -hmm. You've been told your whole life that this industry isn't for you. Like, yeah, you're going to lie until it's true. Yeah. Like it just it just hurts. Totally. Yeah. I was thinking about this the other day. I was thinking about um, like women in the workplace who treat other women badly. And I like tend to think of that as the worst sin, but then I have to make myself remember why they act that way. And yes. we're all victims of the same patriarchy. And like, I don't know, sometimes I have a hard time understanding when my empathy should begin. Totally. For people. Um, yeah. yeah. But we don't remember the context. That's one of the themes, I think, of what we're going through as a culture. Yeah. Yeah. When does empathy begin? And what's the obligation to not be empathetic for a minute and then turn it back on? Totally. I mean, so I mentioned this to you before we started recording today, but I just found out that a former colleague of mine who oversaw a very prominent pride vertical of a publication um, was apparently sexually harassing artists who wanted coverage on the site oh my god and uh he would promise them coverage and in, in exchange for things and if they didn't give it to him he would take it back and there's been an outpouring of people this week with screenshots of conversations and it looks really bad and partially i think because it's somebody that i know i mean first i'm horrified and disgusted and it's just bad on so many levels especially because it's a pride thing it feels especially shitty um but i do feel like fuck this person must have been in such a bad place where like he knows how risky that is yeah and he still felt so lonely small whatever that he was like trying to use these these gears to elevate himself in this way i don't know so I have like, I don't know if empathy is the right word. I just feel bad for everybody, mostly for the people that he was taking advantage of, um, 99.9% for them, but just that people end up in this place. Like for whatever reason drove him to be doing that? Yeah. yeah. Rough. Yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Anyway, Gabrielle, I have a question for you. How... How did you treat International Women's Day in your company? 
Like any other day. Okay. <laughs> because every day is International Women's yes. Day for you guys? Yeah. Yeah. And also, it's like, it just becomes so pandering at a certain point. And like, I just didn't need us to jump on that bandwagon. And like, we were originally thinking of doing March as like a Women's History Month. But I just kind of felt like that's really boring. Like, let's do like a Women's Future Month. So we called mm-hmm. it Women in Power. Um, and we just tried to do like even more stories of strong, amazing women than we usually do. But like the reality is we always do that Mm -hmm. and we're not selling something. So the like the motivation to like create, I don't know, like fake enthusiasm around a day. I don't know. I just didn't feel it. It's that same balance of like how much do you like push it out there as if it's not something that should be an everyday thing and celebrate it Mm -hmm. in this opportunity or do you like, but wait, this should just be a thing. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And I saw a lot of gross lip service being paid to it by companies that don't reflect it in, you know, their hiring and their promotions and um, like for this month, we'll do it. yeah. Yeah. And I also like I watch a couple speeches by women who were hired to like pump up their staffs about it and I don't think they were qualified they didn't seem particularly progressive in their understanding of how things work so like this one woman was talking about how you should never show your stress and I wanted to be like fuck that this is the whole problem like we should all be able to talk about our stress our feelings our whatever like you're perpetuating this situation that is keeping us down Mm -hmm. that was like a feminist approach well it was a from her from that person's perspective it was a woman hired to speak to other women at a company i think very confusing to people who are trying to figure out what 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 this all means to them Mm -hmm. because because that attitude arguably could be also an approach like right you know yeah, what I'm and saying? It's a debate. And I'm, I think I'm I think I'm with you that like, no, feel the feel the vulnerability, be like be your full self. Mm-hmm. But then I'm just curious. I always like to see the both sides. Like I'm just sure. you know, it's interesting. Like Yeah. I mean, right. I, I wish it had been more of like a talk back situation, yeah. but it was like a woman pacing a stage up and down and everyone just kind of like listening. Um mm-hmm. it also bothered me that she was a white woman talking about this and never acknowledged how it's so much harder even for women of color in an office to advance. I mean, to not even acknowledge that was also making me crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, okay, let's talk about <laughs> more specifically what you have going on. Um, so let's start. Let's start like this. Um, I used to work in fashion. Uh, I worked in the corporate office for a big brand, and so most of the people that I worked with were women or gay men. Um, but there was still a it was not a great environment to be a woman in. And it, this is another example of the kind of um, like where do you have empathy and where do you think about a larger larger context for people? Because there was a lot of uh, women not treating other women great in the office, but they also seemed pretty miserable themselves. And this is kind of part of the reason why I wanted to get out of fashion. It seemed to have this very weird runway into being in your 30s and feeling like personally unfulfilled and having like kind of malicious relationships with other women. Mm -hmm. And I wonder where a lot of that begins. Um, I mean, you know, fashion is like it's an industry that has historically been led by women. But there still is this kind of like toxic misogyny. 
Snapchat totally. exists in it. And like, where is it coming? So now I'm, I'm like thinking when you're coming in here, okay, well, how do we talk about the female gaze in media and fashion and style in this whole industry? And what does it mean exactly? And what are we even talking about? Like, what does the female gaze look like if we're talking about what we're actually wearing? What What's on trend? What style is? That's a very complicated thing, which I do <laughs> want to talk to you about. And then the other part of it is what does the female gaze look like when you're talking about magazines and covers and what stories you're selecting and what we're teaching women through all of that. So... Just this, just little ideas. Just no, little no ideas. ideas. Just an easy question. <laughs> yeah. That's my little preamble. Okay. So first I would like to ask you, what is your what is your feeling about like fashion and where it's moving right? And by the way, I know Nylon is not just a fashion publication. You guys tackle everything. So we'll get to that. But just on its surface, um, do you feel like there's an evolution in fashion right now that is on trend with this idea of gender parity that everyone seems to be talking about? And what does that even look like? I mean, we could talk about high heels, for example, right? Um, a lot of people think they're oppressive. A lot of women also really feel good wearing them. So I, I don't even know, like, uh, for fashion to be progressing what that means, unless it's just to say people should have more options to do what feels good for them? I don't know. How do you how do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, it's so, so complicated. And I think um, in your very beautiful preamble to this conversation, <laughs> you touched on a lot of things that I've been thinking a lot about, which is the fact that fashion is for women's fashion is for women. It's largely created by women, but um, it has historically not really served women. Mm -hmm. And it's done a terrible job with representation, with body diversity, and with, like, sustainability. Like, in so many ways, fashion has been, like, a really bad thing. Mm -hmm. And I think what's happening in the industry is what's happening across industries, which is the younger generation of people who have been brought up to believe that they should have equality are saying, like, this is bad, this is wrong, we need to make things better. Mm -hmm. And um, what I've noticed is that our readers in particular don't want to support fast fashion. They love uh, stories about brands being problematic because then they can know mm -hmm. who to not give their money to. Mm -hmm. Wait, what does fast fashion mean? Fast fashion means um, like mass-produced, low-quality mm. clothes okay. um, that it's... are really cheap. So, like, Forever 21, H&M, right. right. um, the things that, like, you wear that a couple you wanna, times. That you want to go to because it's easy and because cheap. Because it's easy and cheap, <laughs> and it's, like, you know. And then you need to buy more of it very soon. Because it falls apart, and it's also, like, sweatshop labor right. and, mm -hmm. you know, like, plastic that'll around longer than you will. And <laughs> <laughs> these things that are becoming harder and harder to justify right. when we know what their effect is on the world and on people. Interesting. Um, I think people really want to be educated about where they're spending their money. Okay. And at the same time, I think um, social media plays a huge role in where fashion is going mm -hmm. because there's been, you know, the democratization of fashion, which is influencers and bloggers, which means like people competing with brands and um, people acting as advertisers. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you don't have to be a Vogue editor to have a million followers and right. whatever, whatever. So there's part of me that's like, this is so punk rock. Like, mm -hmm. I love that, like, the playing field is level. And then there's the other part of me that's like, okay, well, think about like who you're letting influence you and what they know uh -huh. and what they look like. And, um, you know, it's disturbing to me to see how many of the most famous influencers and bloggers 
just look like the models do. And I I had hoped that once people had more control over the images they put into the world, that you would see more kinds of bodies and ages mm-hmm. and races. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like once we have that control, people are face tuning themselves, you know, instead yeah, of right. like letting magazines Photoshop them. Right. So I feel like there's so much work to be done through fashion. Yeah. Wow. So maybe the evolution has more to do with the the process of what's being made than the actual look of it. Yeah. What do you say? Yeah. And I mean, the look of it is interesting to track because, you know, there was that conversation a few months ago about whether or not low rise pants were coming back. Mm -hmm. And um, I feel like everybody on the Internet was like, no, we are not (laughs) doing this. And like, I really loved that because I felt like, okay, this is like an example of like social media feedback in real time to trends like people no longer think that like trends just come out of nowhere like we can kind of track it and predict when it's coming and opt in or opt out Mm. so Mm -hmm. where does it come from if not so it comes from the design like the the high up designers and then the internet's like no Mm -hmm. as opposed to because i feel like now trends could also come from the internet and the influencers. And I think they do. And I think that's where this like early aughts revival is coming from. Mm. Because I think it's like these like high school kids and college kids like performing nostalgia for an era they never right. experienced. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> totally disturbing. <Yeah. laughs> Who's more powerful now, a supermodel or an influencer? I mean, I think the supermodel as influencer. Right. Oh, right. It's like one of this. And it, also your brand is also like, I mean, how do you even distinguish like from a from a person who who is an influencer, from a brand who's an I mean, it's all, it's just, yeah, you know? Mm-hmm. I know. It's so hard. <laughs> it's, 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 it's so hard. It's so hard. And it's also, like, our audience, like, doesn't like the word influencer. Like, they care about people who happen to have big followings because of the cool work they're doing. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, It's a matter yeah. of semantics, though. Exactly. I mean. Exactly. Yeah. When you go to Fashion Week and you watch the runway shows, are there things that you see where you're like, I think that this is detrimental to women? Oh, my God. Yes. Like, what kind of thing would be an example of that? So I feel like body diversity in Fashion Week is Mm -hmm. like the final frontier. Mm -hmm. And it drives me insane that nobody does anything about it. Mm -hmm. And it's like... You'll go to shows with 50 models and they will all be like clinically underweight teenagers Mm -hmm. and they'll be wearing a T-shirt that says girl power and everyone will take a picture of it and say like that's so amazing and like no one is calling them out. Mm -hmm. And it's like certain designers get away with it because certain editors love them. Mm -hmm. And um, it's really hard for me to sit through and I feel... I feel really complicit and like I do I do the most that I can to like call it out to not feature designers who don't have extended sizing mm-hmm. um, to not give any press to designers who don't like hire black women because mm. um, like that is still happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I'm just one woman. Sure. <laughs> Ultimately, <laughs> like I can't change an entire industry. And I feel like people just um, excuse bad behavior if they like the work mm-hmm. in, you know, in music, in beauty, in fashion, too. Mm-hmm. And um, it's yeah, it's really hard. And it's like, you know, we're all just trying to figure out how to feel OK in our bodies. And it's starting to feel really traumatic to me to just be constantly surrounded by like glorified anorexia totally. and like the fact that people aren't talking about that as the serious issue it is it's like we've moved past it to bigger things but like people die of anorexia and like these girls are like 
really, really young and hungry. Yeah. <laughs> and I, yeah, I hate it so much. God, when I used to see model castings at my office when I worked for this company, I mean, these girls were so young. They were like over six feet tall, so incredibly thin. Looked like they're just trying to like stay on their feet while they're waiting in line to go in. Like it's crazy. And also, you know, this is so fucked up. It used to be a thing in my office that women who worked for the company would sometimes just pass out in the hallways. Yeah. Because people had real eating disorders. And it's yeah. something that would be laughed about in the office. Like, oh my God, did you see so and so just totally fucking fell face first over by the bathroom? And then like gossip about their eating disorder. But that was just par for the course. Totally. And I, is, has that really changed, do you think? I mean, I. And we know we're not supposed to laugh about it, but. <laughs> yeah, it's like. At this point, I feel like the people who think and talk like that have left my office. And yeah. it's like a new wave of people who are definitely not like that. Mm -hmm. But that's also because I hired right. all of them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as someone who has recovered from an eating disorder, like I'm hyper aware of the energies that I'm bringing in. Mm -hmm. And um, but I mean, I went to a presentation recently where a model passed out. And no one said anything. Wow. And they just kind of like removed her and then like went on it. This was like a month ago. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like on the one hand, I want to say we've made so much progress. And on the other hand, I'm I'm just like, do models not count? Like who? Yeah. They're women. Right. They're not clothes hangers. Totally. I was watching The Office the other day, one of my favorite shows. And like the number of like fat jokes that they're making. Yeah. Like, to not to us for us not to have been sensitized to stuff like that as recent as like 2011 you know it's crazy because mm -hmm. now I feel like I see that and I'm just like oh god mm -hmm. you know but like they weren't doing something that was oh god at the time right yeah. but like now our 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 radars are up for it's great that it's across all of these different right. things yeah you don't I wonder it reminds me once um we were like preparing the showroom for Anna Wintour to come look at a new collection and. It was like an hour and a half before she was supposed to be there. And so the models were hanging out in the showroom all eating breakfast. It was like all these little croissants and stuff. And she showed up early because she does. She walked off the elevator super early. No one was ready for her. And the look on their face, which I understand. I mean, it's a look on anyone's face. If Anna Wintour walks into the room, you're not expecting it. But it's like to have been caught by her eating a pastry and then everyone just poofed. Like I've never seen people leave a room so fast, like ran away. And it was super awkward because then she was just standing there. There was no one <laughs> to talk to her. But it's like, God forbid yeah. she see behind the curtain that people were eating. It was crazy. Um, no, but this is interesting because I feel like I was looking, I was thinking about the female gaze in fashion as kind of like a two-dimensional thing and you've just opened it up for me that it's a lot more about the process and the intention and the um, equality of it. it has much less to do with what it actually is. Totally. Yeah. But just how it's made and who it's made for. Exactly. So can you tell us then how, like, how you came to Nylon and what your mission was going in? Because I assume that you had a mission in mind, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I started at Nylon about five years ago. And when it was still a print magazine also. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And I had been the beauty editor at Refinery29 before okay. then. And at Refinery, my mission had been like very representation focused. Mm -hmm. um, I started there in oh God, like 2012, 2013. And um, they were a very different place. And 
I was the only queer person that I saw. In, yeah. You know, so I really took it upon myself to start writing about beauty from like a lesbian perspective. Which means what exactly? Mm. Which means uh, that identity plays a big part in it and yeah. that... um you know, there's makeup that's not for a man and that there's grooming decisions you can make for yourself and not because that's like the normalized thing to do. Okay, so, wait, can we talk about this for a second? Yeah. I think this is so fascinating, the makeup thing. Yeah. Um, my Our regular co-host, Alana, also, she's queer. She wears a lot of makeup and it's beautiful, but it's so interesting because men and women alike assume that she's doing that as a presentation for men. Right. And it's this constant confusion that she would do that and not want to try to fuck men. Mm-hmm. And as so, opposed to, but like doing it for other women or doing it for yourself. For yourself, I think. Yeah, right. But like for yourself. Did you mean for a man or, or for another person? Well, I think we never, we never, it would never occur to us that a woman would do it for other women. women. <laughs> Uh-huh. which is another thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. But I but I do sometimes wonder, like, okay, if we lived in a vacuum or, a, like, a matriarchy or whatever, what would we lose? Like, what, like, would women still want to wear a lot of makeup or heels or whatever, all the things? Or would, would, would it did all of that ori- originally stem from wanting to please men? Yeah. I mean, I think the thing is that like women objectify each other. Yeah. And there's a way to do that that's like consensual and respectful. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think if someone likes makeup because it makes them feel pretty, you know, like that's a totally different thing. Right. But what I was kind of talking about specifically at Refinery was um, that the things you're told you have to do as a woman, Mm -hmm. like that is not all that beauty is. Everyone has a beauty routine, whether it's doing nothing or doing the most. So this all started when I wrote a personal essay about not shaving your legs. And um, now they're like bodyhair.com. But (laughs) at the time it was like, ew, you wrote what? But it like, it was really successful, and I wrote about, like, the idea of uh, queer signifiers and, um, you know, having those signifiers through your beauty routine, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it kind of opened up from there, and I just worked really hard to um, just improve the representation and to use beauty as a window to talk about things that connect women mm-hmm. rather than um, that separate them. Yeah. And uh, I, Were you always out at work? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, I came out when I was 19. Okay. Got it. And um, before I was at Refinery, I was freelance writing. And one of the things I was doing was a column for Autostraddle. Mm -hmm. And the person who hired me at Refinery knew my writing from that. Cool. So I like... So it served you well. It did. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They, I mean, they wanted a diverse hire. And, you know... You gave it to them. Refinery is a dope company. Yeah. Yeah. They're cool. Um, But I mean... You know, seven years ago, people weren't thinking about beauty and fashion as ways to talk about identity. Mm-hmm. It totally. was very new. Like, the feminist internet was very new. Right. So the crossover between um, women's media and feminist media had, like, just started percolating. So, like, there were a few of us who were talking about these things. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. yeah. And then... So, so then I went to Nylon. Uh-huh. 
And I had gotten... As what? What was your first position? Senior then? editor. Okay. I had gotten really sick of beauty. Uh-huh. <laughs> Just ran <laughs> out of angles. You, yeah. I was like... Fashion. Yeah. I, because I think beauty editors, you have to ultimately, like, love beauty. Right. And I was like, I'm going to dismantle beauty. Right. And that's so exhausting. Because, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, you still have to go to, like, the mascara launch yeah. event. You know, even though you're like, this is oppressive, like you're still there at like eight o'clock on a Wednesday. So anyway, I went to Nylon as a senior editor. And um, the biggest part of my job was figuring out how to create a digital presence for them because the website had existed largely to serve the magazine. Mm. And um, they had this huge social media presence and they just weren't creating that much original content for that audience. Mm -hmm. So um there was really nothing in place. There wasn't even like a weekly meeting. Okay. So um, in a lot of ways, it was low-hanging fruit. And in a lot of other ways, it was like the Wild West right. because um, no one had tried to do it in a really serious way. And so there was one person above me and a couple of assistants. And um, we kind of built it out from there. And, you know, it was things like creating an editorial calendar and hiring a top editor, you know, <laughs> but also really figuring out what Nylon Magazine meant to a digital audience that was different. Yeah. And they so were, that was up to you to kind of contribute to that vision? Yes. Was anything being dictated to you about that? No. Yeah. <laughs> what is what is slash was Nylon's mission or vision? So Nylon's mission was to be an alternative glossy magazine to the more mainstream options. So it was the bridge between Indian commercial worlds. It was the option for the cool, edgy indie girl who loved fashion and beauty and music, but was like too cool to pick up Marie Claire. Mm -hmm. Like Lily Allen, basically. Right? Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> but there were a lot of problems with Nylon the magazine. Um, number one being race. Like, I I'm I'm writing a book, so I recently went through all of the past nylon magazines to like figure out what the actual percentage was. And it's like oh, wow. it was founded in nineteen ninety nine and they didn't have a woman of color on the cover until two thousand three. And then wow. it was like one every few years right. from there. And it's just like, you know, <laughs> you can't do that. Mm -hmm. Like it's ridiculous. So I really tried to prioritize diversity within everything we did online and diversity in all of its many forms and then eventually the digital director left and I replaced her and um, we had had some differences in opinion about what digital content should be and she was an entertainment editor and so she was really good at driving traffic through celebrity news mm -hmm. and I felt like that's not what Nylon should be mm -hmm. like people can go anywhere else for that we need to do like quality original features mm -hmm. so it sounds harder it's so yeah. much harder, but it's so much more rewarding. Mm -hmm. There was like a scary three months where traffic dropped and then it came back and I got to hire people who were interested in doing magazine quality journalism online. And um, basically, <sighs> yeah, I mean, yeah, so we did that. And then the magazine folded in September 2017 and I became the editor in chief. And at that point, I had the option to look at the total editorial strategy and figure out what I wanted to take from the magazine and what needed to be left in the past. And, and what did my you God, take? that's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was cool. I mean, so I took the idea of covers mm -hmm. and I took the core brand DNA of being really cool. Yeah. <laughs> and other than that, I felt like so much of it just 
wasn't really relevant anymore. Like Mm -hmm. the aesthetic was relevant, but in a lot of ways it wasn't because I feel like they really tied the idea of coolness to this like thin white indie body. And, um, you know, you, that's just not, that's not what's cool anymore. Like not only is it not morally right, it's like, it's just so backwards. Out of, out of yeah. sync. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and it was also things that we did online that were really successful that they never touched in print, like politics and mm-hmm. wellness mm-hmm. and sex. Um, I always, like, ended up, you know, in arguments with the print editors <laughs> about doing sex in the magazine. And um, that, like, did really well online for us. So we kept doing it. So I created a new vertical called Life for all of that content. Mm-hmm. And then um, I looked at all of the monthly themes. And that was really fun because the monthly themes were, like, very apolitical. It was, like, the denim issue. <laughs> and, like, why have a denim issue when you can do Black History Month? Right. You know? <laughs> so I changed pretty much all of the themes to make them reflect what um, I really cared about. And then... Um, Ultimately, like the core of my strategy is to get rid of this idea of there being a singular reader. And Mm -hmm. that's like marketing lingo that you'll hear across editorial platforms, which is this question, who's your reader? And I don't think anyone should have their reader be one person. They try to boil it down. That's like a standard. Yes. They try to. Singular reader. They try to boil it down so that they can target them specifically. And not readers. Right. You know? So that they can go to advertisers. Yeah. It's it's an advertiser thing. So. I changed it to, like, who are they (laughs) in terms of, like, gender neutral, but also in terms of, like, a plurality of identities. And um, instead of having, like, a demographic that we speak to, it's a value set. And the value set is um, being, like, aware and into intersectional feminism, being actively anti-racist, being queer encompassing, which is different than being, like, LGBT friendly. It's just, like, we encompass these things. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, basically, if... The music we're covering doesn't speak to you because you don't like it. Like, that's fine. Go somewhere else. But if it doesn't speak to you because you don't see yourself represented in the coverage, that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. I dig it. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, Yeah. And it's so interesting, the idea of, like, a cover for a digital brand that doesn't exist in print. But your covers are fucking awesome. I was clicking through the Lena Waithe one because she's your cover star this month. Um, And it's amazing because the... The photos are moving, <laughs> you know, they're they're video clips that repeat um, and you still get the same great profile and everything's there. And who the fuck would read it in print anyway? <laughs> Unless you're yeah. at the airport. But even then, I don't buy right. magazines I mean, anymore. It's yeah. so interesting to watch how successful the digital covers have been. Yeah. Like the I mean, the engagement statistic is like so wild. So the print covers, the average time on spent. The average time spent reading them was like a minute and a half. Uh-huh. And once we started doing digital covers, it shot to 14 minutes. Wow. Like people are really reading the story and spending time on the page, on their yeah. phones usually. Yeah. But, um, you know, and I think it's because the people I'm picking, um, they have like a larger mission to speak to. Like, yeah, they're cool. Yeah, they're attractive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they have like a relevant project coming out. But it has to be more than that. They have to They have to have a mission they have to want to talk about like larger issues of like identity and politics totally 
Good for you. Thank you. I mean, I've worked at a few media companies who have been around for a long time and still struggle to articulate what their brand is or what their vision is. You know, it's still kind of a catch all and it's constantly moving to chase whatever we've decided is the key demographic that's going to be the most engaged on social or on Facebook or, you know, these targets are constantly moving. And if you don't have any internal integrity about what's actually important to you, you're never going to win that race. Oh, totally. And also, like, Nylon is never going to be a publication that gets 20 million uniques a month. Like, that's just... That doesn't make sense for us. Yeah. Like for us to be successful, we need to double down on who we are Mm -hmm. and have a really strong brand identity rather than trying to be everything to everyone, which is like a totally valid mission. And I like really respect the brands that are trying to do that because like there is a place for that. But like that's not what Nylon is. Right. I think, God, I was in a doctor's office last year and they had women's magazines out and I didn't have my phone on me. And I so I was like, all right, let's do it. Let's see what these are like these days. And it was all the same shit. And it reminded me of how when I was in high school, like I used to be really self-conscious about my thighs. I was such a fucking rail in high school. I shouldn't have had any kind of fears that I was overweight or too big on any part of my body and I know that I got it from these magazines you know like I got YM and all that shit of course and every other article was telling you how to lose weight from a certain part of your body and a lot of them haven't come that far from there and I started to get really enraged thinking about how it's still destroying lives (laughs) or if they have like the writer is like tone deaf and like trying to address it or be correct in a way that like makes you feel just cringy. Yeah. I know. There's such a weird disconnect between print content and digital content. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I feel like so many magazines still rely on this idea that they have to tell women that there's something wrong with them in order to incentivize you to read and buy. Totally. It's like, yeah, that's the model. Like mm-hmm. your appearance is a problem and we will tell you how to solve it. Right. Well, what's going to grab you to spend now? Like, what is it like seven bucks for like a magazine? Oh, it, or it's got to be like $14.99 yeah, or something. Like, right. Yeah. So like what you have to say, like, I need to read that or yeah. my life will be, you know, I'll be worse off. Yeah, yeah. totally. Because also, you can read all this, all the gossip on, you know, everywhere. Yeah. I mean, you've already read it on Twitter right. before you can find <laughs> right. a magazine. Uh, also, the sex articles are awful and are so like shaming. Like, you must not know how to have sex because your boyfriend left you. And of course, it's always your boyfriend. So that's also extremely, extremely toxic. Yeah. And you know what's so interesting about that? I was talking to the former editor-in-chief of Seventeen magazine Mm -hmm. who was editing Seventeen when I was reading it Mm -hmm. in middle school. And we were talking about how in like the Bush era – abstinence-only education was, like, very much top of mind. And so anytime they talked about birth control, the last sentence of every article had to be, but abstinence is the only sure way. Wow. <laughs> and it was, like, she she said that, and I was like, yeah, you did do that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and then I felt really jealous that other teenagers get to grow up without that conclusion yeah. to everything. right. right. Well, when you're looking at how it how things are now with nylon, do you see? Do you look ahead and say, try to predict like where or what am I? What's my blind spot now? Like because clearly we have we're not at this point like all knowing, all evolved. Mm-hmm. But it's hard because we want to be and we like are aspiring to be. But we know that in twenty years, like the next generation is going to be like, what the fuck were they thinking? <laughs> totally, you know, totally. Um, yeah. Like, do you have? either bigger goals like 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 long-term goals or just like ways that you're like you know what let me just like make sure that like 
places you look and be careful and wonder and stuff like that. Yeah, totally. I mean, I try to hire people who are really different than me so that we can cover as many perspectives internally as possible because, like, that's who catches those things. Right, totally. Like, things that you wouldn't think are offensive, like, that could get published unless someone you know, belongs to that group of people that you're talking about and sees it beforehand. It's so important to have diverse hiring. And that way, like the diversity is not a prop. It's a value. Yeah, it makes the business better. Yeah. Yeah. But I do like lay awake at night and wonder what I'm doing wrong. (laughs) Because nobody's probably a sign of good. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, You're pretty young and you've really seemed to nailed how this business is moving and you're and you're handling it very well do you ever have imposter syndrome do you ever feel like (laughs) what the fuck am I doing I am not qualified to be an editor-in-chief of a major brand literally every day (laughs) (laughs) I mean so I am gonna be 30 in a month Uh and I I became editor-in-chief when I was 28 wow and the hardest part of that was telling other people Mm. because um you know if it was someone who hadn't heard of nylon they would be like oh that's cute like did you start that in college or you know if it was people who do know about nylon they're like what Like, really? And they, like, kind of don't believe you. Yeah. And uh, there, when I took this job, there wasn't, like, a big announcement about it because the magazine had been folded Mm -hmm. and 12 people lost their jobs. And I made the decision that I didn't want to, like, have a PR campaign about my promotion because it just felt really tacky. Mm -hmm. But, like, the flip side of that was that no one knew I had this job. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. Yeah, I mean, whatever. But also, like, it made it hard at first to, like, you know, because I need publicists to write me back. Like, I do need invitations to things. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, so it was like a it was like a DIY like word of mouth campaign that I took upon myself. But um, I mean, so there's that. But there's also because I've been at Nylon for so long, every process that exists, every hire that's in place, every job I created, you know, like there's nothing that I didn't edit in terms of edit, social, video and art, Mm -hmm. all of those jobs I created. So in that way, I don't feel like an imposter. I feel like a mother. Yeah. (laughs) Like, it's it very much feels like mine. I feel like no one knows the ins and outs of all of those departments better than me because I birthed them. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes there are like tough situations as a manager that I feel like I would need like a degree in social work to mm-hmm. handle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like that's when I feel like an imposter, like when there are really tough personnel issues that I'm like okay, if I had 25 years of experience, how would I handle this? You know, like if I was a trained clinician, what would I say to you? Yeah, this is one of the things that holds back my ambition in the workplace is all the things that come with uh, being successful professionally. It's all the shit that it's not why you got into the business, but you have to be responsible for it now and you're just going to have to learn how to do it. Yeah, And it's important that you do it and at least like you have good intentions as opposed to other people who might not handle it so well so yeah totally and the other thing is I've been getting really mad recently about like the way young successful men are treated versus the way young successful women are treated Mm -hmm. and it's like I just feel like we're set up to fail like the anti-aging industry is like a multi-billion dollar industry like we are told for our whole lives that looking young 
is like the goal. Mm -hmm. But then like if you look young or if you are young, you're treated like you don't know anything and everyone is suspicious of you. Meanwhile, if you are like a young, successful man, like you're a trailblazer. (laughs) (laughs) You are like a young titan of industry. No one's asking you about your imposter syndrome. They're asking you about like the house you're going to buy. You know, like it's just uh, I just feel when I'm like out in the world and people are like reacting to my age in real time in the industry, I my first thought is like, if I were a man, would this be happening? Mm. Totally. Mm-hmm. I was just talking to my therapist about that kind of thing this week. <laughs> she seemed to think I was focusing too much on gender differences. And at a certain point, we got into a not all men debate. And then I was <laughs> like, okay, can we just get back to talking about me? Because I don't think we should wade into this territory. <laughs> oh my God. I'm going to have to fire like, you. I think you... about this a lot. Do you yeah. want to get into this right now? <laughs> I mean, I was like, no, I understand what you're saying. But like, we also do live in a patriarchy. So certain things are just what they are. Yes. So I think we should acknowledge that. But I understand it's more about like me and what this is bringing up for me okay let's focus on (laughs) yeah totally my therapist is like I think secretly like a very like strong feminist like probably was an activist at Mm, some point mm. because like she she doesn't really say much when I like go on rants about like how much I hate men (laughs) but then recently I was just like I just don't know what to do like I feel so frustrated and she was like you just have to keep fighting. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, sister. Yeah. That's I know. amazing. Wow. Mine was like, do you have any good relationships with men? I was like, yes, I have male friends. Okay. It's not what this is about. Yeah. Some um, of my best friends are men. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> not all men. I get it. <sighs> um, wait. So what is this book that you're writing? So it's called Everybody Else is Perfect. Mm-hmm. And That's how we always feel. Yeah. <laughs> Social media. Thank so you. Good. Exactly. Yeah. And it's about like very much what we're talking about, which is like this moment in time where women's media is like doing this whole like performatively woke thing. But the issues that women face in terms of like equality and our eating disorders, like that's not getting better. So um, it's personal essays. Um about like the experience of being a woman with a body like who's part of this movement but also like has always kind of felt like an outsider too Mm -hmm. um and trying to figure out like why we've gotten so good at building other women up without turning that inward Mm. and um you know so in the title else is in parentheses because it's like you know we're always saying to each other like you're so perfect you're so perfect but like we're not we're not looking at ourselves in the mirror and saying like you're perfect we're not part of everybody yeah yeah. we're saying like what's wrong with you right (laughs) so um it's coming out next summer amazing it's my first draft is due in june (gasps) i've crunched that yeah i'm like writing it on the subway because that's my free time yeah. Do you enjoy <laughs> having awesome. like a place where all of these ideas need to go as opposed to like, I just have an idea and then, you know, it can go wherever. But yeah, now you have to put it down. And it, so. Yeah, it's nice because it's like the stuff that I've been thinking about for the past 10 years of my life. Mm-hmm. And it's like I kind of feel like this is the reason why I've like worked in this space is to like say this about it because like I'm working too hard in an industry that doesn't feel like something I organically wanted for it to just like be purposeless like i need to point out that these things are happening mm-hmm. awesome Thank okay you. before we let you go will you do a quick round of the hot takes wheel with us Ooh. yes okay. what's that 
It's a wheel. About this. <laughs> it's a rickety, sh- shitty wheel um, from Amazon. So we have acquired some questions, some hot take topics from listeners that we've written on this wheel. So I'm going to ask you to spin it. And then whatever we land on, we all have to go around and give our hot take. Okay. <laughs> and the definition of a hot take is something that no one can hold you accountable to later. <laughs> like all right. <laughs> spin it hard. Okay. Yeah. All right. Oh, I think we're on reverse sexism and racism. Does it exist? Fuck. <laughs> yeah. I think about that all Me the time. Me too. Anyone, Gabrielle? You no, it doesn't. Does it not exist? Why? Um, because that is not what sexism and racism means. And if you are in a privileged class of people, then institutionally you cannot be discriminated against. And really, I think what people are talking about when they talk about reverse sexism and racism is equality, because equality only feels like a threat if you are privileged, period. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I think that's, you said it. Yes, I agree. And I would not have put it so well and nailed it. Okay. All I'm not going to think about that anymore. Now I know. Yeah, now you have your answer. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> One last thing to keep us up at night. <laughs> Thank you to my women's studies degree. <laughs> wow, look at that. I wanted to ask off. you what, yeah, what your background in women's studies. Yeah, well, it was like queer and feminist theory because I went to an individualized study school. And mm-hmm. I just call it women's studies because that's easier yeah. than explaining that. Dope. Okay, <laughs> Gabrielle, people who want to read your awesome Twitter feed, what is your handle? Oh my God, what is my handle? <laughs> it's um, Gabrielle, G A B R I E L L E underscore K O R N. Awesome. And I assume you'll keep us updated on your book launch yes. and all those things. Anything else on the horizon for you or just keeping nylon pushing us forward? Yeah. Um, if you like what nylon is doing, the best way to support it is by sharing our stories. Okay. So I always appreciate when I see that. There you go. Dara, where can people follow you? Oh, well, you won't find much new content all the time. I've had a, I mean, my, my, um, Feelings and engagement for social media have gone through such a an evolution, and now I you find have severe it, ebbs and flows. Well, it's really been an ebb. Is that the, is that the lack? You'll have like a that night. The, that's a flow. Yeah. Or you say to me, "Hey," and I'm like, "Fine." <laughs> but I find that now, not to get into this, but just that I find now I go on these things only for shopping and things that I need to learn not about like engagement with people. Go on what? Social media yeah. platforms? Uh-huh. Oh, interesting. Yeah, well, because it's you. just bad. I, I don't have a good feelings about it. It yeah. makes me feel bad yeah. in all ways. So I go on when I want to look at like decor, like home decor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like that's totally. like, my primary reason for going on Instagram. But even Ever. that feels bad. <laughs> everything feels bad. Because everything can make you feel bad. Yeah, everything makes me feel bad. So I try to stay off social media. However, if you are interested, it's at T-N-Y-L-S. Which stands for Which what? stands for the New York Love Songs, which is my documentary, Over 10 Years in Progress. Follow me for more. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. And we are at Female Gaze Pod, and I am at Katz on Twitter. Thanks for listening, guys. Thank you, Gabrielle, for coming on. Thank, Thank you so for much. having me. I could talk to you for another 10 hours, and maybe you can come back sometime. I would love that. I feel like this was just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Okay, sweet. Um, thanks, guys, for listening, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>